0: This is a production from The Companion. Sci-fi served fresh.
1: You're listening to my interview with someone we like so much, we cast her in Stargate Atlantis in two different roles. She started acting at a young age, but made her name in sci-fi with one of the most beloved series of the genre, Firefly. From The Companion, This is my conversation in sci-fi with the
0: wonderful Jewel State. A quick note before we begin. If you're a big sci-fi fan, you're going to want to listen to the full conversation for members only. Trust me. And it has never been an easier time to join. Help yourself to a free trial, and if you like it, become a member. You'll be helping out me and our small team deliver these fun interviews and amazing stories, all ad-free and sponsorship-free. Thank you so much.
1: Last time we actually saw each other, I think it was when we were sitting, I we just happened to be sitting next to each other on an airplane flying to Toronto. Yes. And you were, I don't know if you were prep or post for a movie, oh. uh, How to Arrange a small an Origin in a Small Town.
2: Oh, it was that movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I
1: just remember being quite intrigued by the title.
2: Yeah, it was <laughs> such a cute movie too. It, it, uh, it did really well to the festival circuit and it ended up being really sweet.
1: Well, as, as all orgy movies should. I mean, that's, that's...
2: exactly <laughs> just total romance there.
1: Yeah, no. I, and, and you have been you have been nonstop. You are you currently have a show Family Law. Yes. With with Victor.
2: With amazing Victor Garber,
1: Isn't he wonderful? I love Victor. He's, oh, he's such a great guy he's
2: the best and he's also very funny and very dry so we have uh, a similar sense of humor and work ethic and I just love 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 him
1: when I when he he did I only ever worked with him once uh on on what did you do with him on Stargate he did did an episode of Stargate yeah (laughs) he really yeah yeah I, I, I never told me that I don't even remember which one it was I just remember going uh our casting guy going uh you know who would be really great for this would be Victor Garber. And I went, Yes, just, just, yes, just offer to him. Yes. Because <laughs> I just, I've always just loved the guy. He has so much gravitas and yet, mm-hmm. and yet, like, he's just, he's just a great actor. And I, and I think the choices that he's made in his career have been really interesting. And I mean, Jesus, he started yep. with
2: that. <laughs> yep. That's usually the first one that comes up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's one of my favorite plays, actually.
2: Yeah, we always try and get him to sing, but you know, we we I don't think we've given him enough um, red wine yet for that to happen. <laughs> but, you know, I have faith. Basically, is what I'm saying that I'll get there.
1: That he, he will. <laughs> do you do do you do you like the theater? Do you ever perform on stage?
2: I haven't performed on stage since I was a little kid. That's kind of where I got all my my acting training was in theater school. That's how I began.
1: You started you started acting in, in film and television young too, right?
2: Yeah, when I was five, yeah. But um I I did a lot of theater training for years. There was this great little theater school here called Vancouver Youth Theater for kids. And it was it was hard work, but we would work on these shows and then um, sell tickets and perform them in in, you know, actual theaters for for live audiences and critics. And so it, it taught me a lot about work ethic and long days and what it takes to put on a great show. And I loved it, but you know, I know for a fact that theater is one of the hardest things you can do as an actor. And I'm just blown away when I see a show and, and know that they're doing that show
1: eight times a week.
2: I I I don't understand where they get the uh, the energy. I mean, it just takes so much out of you.
1: Well, especially especially to bring to bring it on a matinee that is that uh, where the the house is half full.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Like you, no matter what, you have to bring it every single time. And I'm in awe, man, of theater actors. I'm just in total awe of them. I was listening to um, the New York Times podcast, The Daily, recently, and they had an episode on about Broadway and how Broadway has been shut down this whole time through COVID, right? right. And, and they're finally up and running again. And it follows a show, a new show that was about to debut right when COVID hit. I, I, I think their opening night was the night everything got shut down. So they, they, they were, can you imagine they were, they were in hair and makeup, they were getting ready to perform. And then everything, the entire plug was pulled on Broadway at 5 PM or something. So the show never got to, you know, be seen. So now all these actors are back and they're ready to go and they actually get their opening night. And I was so moved because I know how much work goes into making those shows what they are. So they're finally getting their debut and it was it was very moving to me. That
1: would be, especially if it was the same people, because it's two years later, yeah. it might not be the same people. And but it was. To, to...
2: It, everybody came back. It, you've got to listen to it. It was. It was very, um, very emotional. Just because you know they, these people had such high hopes, right? Imagine being an actor and you finally get a show that's on Broadway, and then it falls to pieces
1: because of COVID. MGM had a show with, uh, and you know, obviously, I can't. I think it was Handmaid's. Yeah, and I and I uh, and they had one day yeah. left on their shooting schedule when everything shut down. Oh God! And they couldn't finish the season because that day was just oh. So they literally had to wait. I don't know how many eighteen months before they could they could come back shoot the one day. Wow! And put the rest put the season in the can. I mean that's wow. I just imagine the the producers saying to the you know the studio saying to the writers, isn't there a way we can you know? End up <laughs> yeah. No, no, we saved it for the last day. We blew it. That's what happens.
2: I mean, there's nothing anyone could do, right? No matter what situation or timeline you were in on your production, shut down meant shut down right now, right away.
1: I know, and and you're you're an, you're an actor, who works mostly in television. And how did that affect you? How did that
2: well, we were shooting um, the first block of, of season one of Family Law. So we right. we do everything in blocks, right? Episodes one and two right. were block one, you know, you know how it works. Um, <laughs> and uh, we had shot for two weeks, almost exactly. And Victor had had three days of shooting because we, we got him late because he was on another show. So we were... I mean, I don't even know if we could say we were in our group yet. You know, we were just getting to know each other. Yeah. Um, And then there were these rumblings happening that Riverdale had shut down. And there was another show that shut down. And, you know, Martin Garrow was up here doing um, Kung Fu. Right. And uh, he said, I think we've got to shut down. So they shut down and I'm going, oh, my God, what's happening? And then Monday morning, we went to work. We shot a couple of scenes. The producers were on the phone the entire time. And then at lunchtime, there was an announcement that said, sorry, guys, but um, everything's shutting down. So that's that. And we all went home and it was the most bizarre feeling of, well, what now? It was scary. It was, really, it was I scary. Mean, it, it was scary. You know, if you weren't in the film industry, for God's sake, it was a terrifying time, right? Going to the grocery store was terrifying. So I, I, I uh, yeah, it was a very trippy few months for sure.
1: Well, I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm a writer, and I was in the middle of doing a pilot, uh, which required me sitting at my computer writing every day. Yeah. And my wife is an artist, so in in some respects, our life hardly changed. I mean, we. Yeah. It, it was just the adventure of going to the going to the grocery store, and and uh, I'll go, I'll go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, put on the mask, and you go. I I wore a mask before people we were were wearing masks. But it's just because. Oh, I, yeah. It struck me. Well. In travelers, we did a and I know I've done a lot of science fiction work that featured pandemics. and and you know, step one is put on a mask. and, and, the only, and, it's, and I knew that the only reason they were saying don't put on a mask yet was because they were afraid of, for a run on masks and they wanted the healthcare professionals to have first access. right. So and as, right. as you know from playing Dr. Keller, Mm-hmm. And and probably other doctors over your career, but uh, <laughs> you know you, you learn a little bit just from your uh, your uh, consultants, your technical consultants. So oh yeah, oh yeah. I had masks early and was was the guy in the grocery store with a mask on that made it. People were looking at me oddly because I had a mask on. They thought I knew about it.
2: Yeah, I I did the mask thing right away too, for sure, for sure. Sorry. And I've never really stopped. To be honest, it's kind of um, nice. <laughs> is that weird <laughs> to say i like wearing I a mask <laughs>
0: There's well, like anonymity. Too, so...
2: well it's, yeah it's anonymity that comes with it right it's like a hat and a mask and let me tell you no one's gonna be talking to you it's pretty great
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i, I that, that's that's a that's the thing. You know, I, the, the, one thing that writers have an advantage, I guess it's an advantage. I mean, I like it. Nobody comes up to me in a restaurant and asks for my autograph, you know, I, <laughs> I, but I'm with, sometimes I'm, I have lots of actor friends and, and I mean, it must be hard. How do you, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with it? Um, it's, it's fine. Honestly,
2: it's not like I'm a, I'm a big deal or anything, but you know, most of the people that come up are are so lovely, and if they if they have the putz to come up and say anything, um, they're they're big fans. You right. know, they they. Um, I've been in that position. I've I've met actors before where I I'm I'm a big enough fan to potentially make an ass of myself and <laughs> go and say hello. Um, so they're excited, and it it ends up being this really awesome very heartwarming exchange very gratifying exchange for me too right it's like oh wow this person really cares about the stuff I've done um, but most of the time people just stare at me funny I get a lot of weird looks I mean it's 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 like the kind of look where you're like do I have like mustard on my face
1: or no, they just they know they know you but sometimes yeah, they don't so it's, they haven't placed it
2: they haven't placed it so it's just like the staring is a little
1: weird you ever <laughs> do people ever say, you look a lot like Jewel State. Yes. People
2: ever, yeah. I, Brad, I got that in an elevator once. I was with friends and a guy's in the elevator with his friends. And he says, has anybody ever told you you look like Jewel State? And <laughs> my friend started laughing. And he said, no, no, it's a compliment. <laughs>
1: <laughs> nah, that is actually pretty good. I have seen- <laughs> <laughs> to say, <Pretty> good. <laughs> You're still yeah. friends, I assume.
2: Yeah. Yeah. They had a really, they loved that story. They had a really good laugh
1: back uh, when, when, um, uh, I was doing the outer limits, which was uh very long time ago. Uh, I did an episode with, uh, David Hyde Pierce, uh, yep. of, uh, of Fraser fame who by the way is the funniest human being I have ever met in my life. I mean, tears. I believe you. Uh, and, uh, and he was nice enough because he, that was the last episode we shot of the, uh, of the season, and I invited him to the wrap party, and he came, and he was lovely. and And then, as uh, as he was leaving, I I, I just walked him up to say thank you and goodbye. And and and, he, and there was people there who who uh, said, "You look like you look like that guy from Fraser." And he said, "I am." And they went, "No, you're not." Mm-hmm. And I said, uh, and they said, he said, "Brad, Brad, tell them who I am." And I went, "It's true. It, that's this is David Ogden Stiers." <laughs> <laughs> No, it was Yeah, I uh, have
2: he... been in like kind of arguments with people where they they'll say they'll be talking about, you know, Firefly or something which was a long time ago. And I'll say, um, well, I was in that show and they look at me with, you know, this look like and then they'll say, "No." And I and I'm like, "No, I I was, I, I promise." "You were, really?" Like it, it's like it becomes like a funny little argument where they say they shiny and they'll figure me. it
1: out <laughs> it's a riot that speaking of firefly that to me is probably the best show ever made that should not have got canceled oh thank you i remember i remember uh talking to an executive at uh, at fox who shall go nameless oh yes saying that he thought it was a mess and i went what is wrong with you? <laughs> it's the best show on television right now, and and, and they I think they're the reason. Well, changing the order of the pilot, all of those things. It was just what's wrong with you, people? Yeah, it was ahead of its time.
2: Yeah, I think from the very beginning, it was clear to us that we were not a favorite with the network. We were very much the underdog, and uh, we knew that our our uh, our days were limited there. So I think. We just made the most of it and tried to have the best time we possibly could. And because of that, honestly, the whole experience is just full of nothing but really great memories.
1: And then you got a chance to make a movie.
2: Yeah. And then we got to make a movie. And the whole time we were shooting a movie, we weren't worried about getting canceled. So that was (laughs) nice, too.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Now I've always wanted to know: Did you just did they just rebuild the set from scratch? Yes. Wow.
2: Yes, they did. That was
1: a big ship.
2: It was, and the second set, the movie set, was much bigger. That's him. We shot in. I think it. I don't know if it still is, but at the time, it was the biggest soundstage in the world on the Universal Backlot, Stage Twelve, and the little trams with the tourists would come by every fifteen minutes giving the the universal studios tour and would say this is the biggest sound stage in the world and right now it's housing a spaceship
1: well the bridge the bridge studios where we where we were doing atlantis that the effect stage was the largest effect stage in the world
2: yeah that was a
1: big stage that was enormous
2: yes yes and
1: that that atlantis set that we bought for a dollar off of the blade two uh that, yeah, that's, you probably, I don't even know if you know that, that gigantic. I don't know
2: any, no, because I came late, and when yeah, I came yeah. and it was, I mean, such a well-oiled machine that, yeah, I, I was just sort of thrust into it all.
1: Well, we built, when we built the the Atlantis set, that it was huge, but it, it, and it filled that entire stage, and we had little corridors, but this was supposed to be a show about a massive place, and so we needed more space, and so... The movie Blade was being shot, and it was a gigantic steel set. And we knew we could build within it. We knew we could add to it. And Mm -hmm. and by the time we got there, it it was there was probably a half dozen stages in that giant set, right? Mm -hmm. At least.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. It was so
2: beautiful when I got there. My God, it was so. I mean, that's a that's a that's a showstopper. Remember when fans would come, you know, and we would have contests or whatever. Yeah. And they would get to tour the set and seeing people's face when they walked in the door. It's a pretty big wow. I mean, it's one big piece. It is. It's
1: pretty cool. It is. And I, and I used to go, when we were doing two shows at once, uh, going, going between stage five and six was going from one galaxy to another. It was, sure. <laughs> you know, between so the cool. SGC set and, and then across the, across the hall to the Atlantis set. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So, you know, you're one of the few people who uh, played two characters in Atlantis. Yes. The first time <laughs> with a giant chunk of prosthetic makeup on all day.
2: Yes. Three and a half hours
1: worth, I like to oh say. Oh, my God. Talk about that.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, Brad, I didn't know what a wraith was. Okay. <laughs> this is full disclosure time with you. I I got the script. I really liked it. and liked the role very much of this sweet wraith girl raised by a human wraith with a heart of gold all that so i thought wow this is cool i like this and the breakdown said some prosthetics required you serious so brad doesn't that sound rather vague to you
1: it sounds mean it sounds (laughs) cool
2: it was mean and cruel because i thought
1: no problem i've done that you were amazing. And the feral scenes, the scenes where you are quite feral and attack, yeah. uh, thats that was pretty, that was, uh, you don't often, get, okay, you don't often as an actor get to do that stuff.
2: No, you certainly don't. That was my first day too. That was my first
1: day. We did that to you on your first day?
2: Yeah, my first day and first time I ever met uh, any of them. So first time I met Joe Flanagan, David, Paul, Rachel, that was my first day oh my god yeah and i remember it was a friday because um i had this this scene where i jump off a log onto joe i remember and we kind of wrestle and he sort of is doing this with my arms and we had like a little bit of a stunt fight worked out and he kind of swung and he caught me (gasps) in the cheek um I didn't I didn't know anything I mean I was wearing a mask basically right? right so I didn't remember until the end of the day when the prosthetics come off and I've got this sort of broken blood vessel on my like it looks like at the beginning of a black eye and I was flying out the next morning to LA for the Serenity publicity photo shoot oh no <laughs> I thought- Oh my God. So I got there and went, like, what the hell happened to you? And I said, you guys, it's a long story. I don't want to get into it. <laughs> I'm in the middle of a very weird job right now. And I just don't want to talk about it. I'm like, okay. So they ended up just putting a bunch of makeup on it and covering it up for this photo shoot. Um
1: well, uh, it's it's very nice after that experience that you're even here talking to me, to be honest.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it it is what it is, right? And and Annie Makito was directing, who I love so much and he's one of our uh executive producers on family law and he directs a lot of our episodes and i he's just always got my back always has always will and i love him um so you know he was just he was great at kind of coaching me through the whole thing and and then we got to the the you know actual scenes where we were doing dialogue and all that and and the following week um but it was a weird experience because I think when you're wearing that much makeup and you look that crazy, people don't necessarily come and sit and talk to you. It's the weirdest thing. It's,
1: it's- I, I'm aware of that. And, and, and I have made a point sometimes to go and sit with the person because
2: yes quite often
1: it's also uncomfortable and you just and i don't it's hard to know whether or not they just they want to be alone yes <laughs> because they want to get out of this damn makeup or or they're just right
2: because you're like you're in the happy place right like mentally you're like i need to be in the happy place right now so i can get through this day and concentrate on my breathing and you know especially when the contacts are in and the teeth and all that um, but yeah, so it was this 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 odd week. But you know, everyone was very kind to me, especially David, who I think was like a Firefly fan and was you know just asking me a bunch of questions about Firefly. Um, <laughs>
1: David's as much of a nerd as, as I am. We we're the both best. Uh, fans one of, and one creators. of my favorite things. Um,
2: <laughs> uh, so yeah, and then and then after that, I I think that I can't remember who it was who asked me you know, Would you come back? Would you co- Would you come back as this character? And I thought. Oh, god like how do i say you know this was really really uncomfortable i'm not sure i can do this kind of uh three and a half hour 3 a.m call time uh makeup every day um but luckily you know i looked so unlike myself that i was able to return later on and place on
1: as dr keller yeah that was that was a fun i mean that was a fun part and yes and you um I was I was talking to Bob Acarzo the other day. You had the same experience he had, where you were coming into a show that was already up and running, mm-hmm. and and uh, hopefully you felt welcome because you, you certainly you certainly um, performed as though you were part of the machine that was already running.
2: I I was very nervous, so I don't know, Brad. Maybe that's just a testament to uh, how well I can fake it. Um, I was scared. I was nervous. I was also really nervous because I was replacing, you know, and I, and I wasn't, I wasn't saying that word at the time, but that's really what it was. I was, I was replacing another character as, as, as the doctor of the show. And, you know, Paul's character was so well loved, right? I mean, all I heard was how much everyone loved Dr. Beckett and, and, you know, I remember going to work one day and there were were Doctor Beckett fans outside Bridge Studios picketing with signs and I had to cross the picket line to go to work. Yeah. So it was it was, and there was a petition circulating around the set, you know, being signed to get Doctor Beckett back and I just thought wow, this is intense. And then I think one of my first scenes was performing brain surgery on another very well-loved character, um, Tori's character on the show, Dr. Weir. And I'm thinking, oh my God, like I have so many bullets coming at me right now. They were like, who's this new girl, right? And, And I just felt like I had a million and one things to prove. And I realized that Dr. Keller felt the same way. So it helped.
1: You tapped into that for the character.
2: Yes, I did. And I found her honesty and I I found her courage eventually. But what I loved the most about her was how human she was. You know, we were lucky in that we had so many heroic characters on that show, especially female heroic characters. But not everybody's a hero. (laughs) And sometimes, um, you know, a character can become a reluctant hero eventually, but she was afraid and she was well out of her element and she was trying something new and taking risks. And her trepidation, I think she um, found a uh, common ground with Rodney in and they both had that sort of, oh man, I don't want to do this kind of thing. Um, and, and maybe developed a kinship from that because I know off screen, David and I <laughs> both feel that way as well. <laughs> We're like, ew, it's raining. <laughs> I don't want to be here. So, you know, we, we called each other the, you know, the crabby pants uh, team because we would just sort of sit back and be freezing cold, shooting these crazy scenes outside and being crabby together. Um, but yeah, eventually Keller found her way. And I was, I was so glad she did.
1: I had stepped back a little bit in the last two uh, seasons of Atlantis. Uh, While well, still, I was still very much in the writer's room, but I wasn't running the show per se. Yeah. But I, my, my, I think my favorite Atlantis experience was uh, with my last episode, The Shrine.
0: Yeah.
1: Which was a huge uh, Keller McKay episode. Yeah. Uh, where in the last scene of that episode, mm-hmm. he says, he loves you. Yes, but you don't tell. It doesn't him that.
2: remember saying it. Yeah, doesn't
1: remember saying that. That that was that, that, that was a pretty powerful scene and your reaction and that and that whole your your whole role in that episode seeing someone disappear in front of you was really strong.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then speaking of brain surgery, you did that too with the drill. Yes, yes.
2: <laughs> I love that episode too. That's one of my favorites. I I love it. I mean, I you know I I love the adventure episodes. I love the the episodes with lots of, you know battle going on and all that it's those are great fun to watch but it's also really nice to to have an episode where the characters are able to explore their relationships and be vulnerable and, and move forward take a step forward in their their personal journeys you know and so to see rodney put his walls down before to put his walls down a little bit it was interesting
1: well, it was it, it, by then too. I mean, it was a great it was a great way to demonstrate the, the chops our actors had in that show. And 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 I tried to give a, a meaty moment at least or two or three to, to everyone in it. And and everybody was bloody good. Everybody rose uh, to the occasion. The scene where the scene where, uh, the scene where uh, uh, <laughs> Joe actually drank three beers that that mm-hmm. late morning and the beer on the pier scene and mm-hmm. might have ruined his afternoon but it really it really made that that, uh, that scene that vulnerable moment between those two characters uh, nice after all those seasons you know yes, it was, it was great fun. Yeah The other thing and I probably should have led with this, but <laughs> I, I am so happy to have you aboard uh, for our Stargate AI project. Uh, me too it's gonna to be a riot it's gonna be so much fun and and <laughs> right. i don't know if you know the story uh of um of how it came about but i'll just i'll just reiterate it for the listeners the uh the companion wanted to do a read-through of a number of cast from any project frankly and i i didn't want to do something old and they said well maybe there was a a, a scene from way back that uh that you wrote or wanted to do and never did. And, and, and as Joe Malazzi pointed out, if we came up with a good idea, we, we shot it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens when you make 300 plus hours of TV. You have to, you have no choice. Right. But then um, just as the pandemic was hitting uh, uh, before that, like the, the winter before the pandemic hit, MGM asked me to write a Stargate pilot. Uh, for a new series, which I was excited to do, yeah. and then of course the pandemic hit just as I was doing revisions on the pilot, and and then the executive who asked for it at a at one of the broadcasters left that job, and then an executive at MGM moved on, and then. Amazon bought MGM and the the project has languished uh, and may still come back. I don't know But the point is. Crazy business. It's a crazy business. They asked me for God's sake. Mm -hmm. But then I had the idea. It can't be anything I wrote. It can't be a new project. Amazon owns the show now. But what if it was an AI? What if we could get an AI to do it? And the fun part of all that is, is that Lawrence Moroni, who I don't know if you've met yet, but you will on the on the thing, cool. is the lead AI expert at Google. And, he, I went, and when I, I said, let's just put it out there, I bet somebody will jump in. Sure enough, we got probably the world's foremost expert on the subject. Uh, and I had met him coincidentally, uh, when he was at Microsoft uh, for something he did on Stargate. And he is so brilliant. You know, I don't know if, you, if this happens to you as a fellow nerd. Uh, you play a smart person on TV. I write things for the smart person. But when you meet an actual smart person, don't you get a little, don't you feel a little. Oh, I know. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, inferior. Uh, that's how well, I inferior feel. Is uh, weird, but...
2: <laughs> I go, wow, you actually did this for, for real. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But he is a wonderful, warm uh, um, man who actually, I said, you have the best job. And he he said, actually, Brad, you have my dream job. So, you know, that's the way the world works, right? We all, Mm -hmm. the grass is always greener. And so he has come up with bots, which are uh, individual models uh, for AIs, separate AIs to write. And he is writing a Keller bot based on everything you said and everything you did uh in the show and how they respond how the how your character responded to other characters mm-hmm. and he's using that to write new dialogue and that just that, that just that's a new approach by the way nobody's ever
0: done that before what a great show i hope you enjoyed this free 30 minute version of brad's interview members can enjoy the full one hour interview right now in our member section from the companion this is brad wright's podcast conversations in sci-fi if you want to listen to the full episode listen to previous interviews read hundreds of in-depth articles from our writers and showrunners like brad all on a weekly basis then you can get all of that and more by becoming a member today just click the link below and for a limited time you can sign up to the companion with a one month free trial and you'll get 50 percent off yearly memberships thanks for listening Hi there. This is Chief Master Sergeant Walter Harriman, your favorite gatekeeper. Have you ever wondered what it takes to become a certified Stargate technician? Well, now you can find out because I'm going to share my knowledge and experience with a select group of aspiring and enthusiastic gators. I want to give you a chance to be a hero, too. That's why I'm happy to announce that on March 11th, I'll be taking a small number of students for my class, Gate Tech. 101 tickets are on sale now at the companion.app slash events you won't want to miss this because it's not just a stargate master class it's a stargate chief master sergeant class see you there but for now chevron 7 is locked